Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's secret golf. It's what I'm looking for. Hi, it's the Secret Golf Podcast and I'm Diane Knox. I hope you're doing great. We're into December now. Thanksgiving over and done with and well and truly onto the Christmas countdown. Well, the President's Cup countdown as well because that's happening next week in Australia at Royal Melbourne Golf Club. And uh, yeah, we have some really good content coming up on the podcast next week. Now, the last time that the international team won, well, the only time that they've ever won in President's Cup history is 1998. And it was at Royal Melbourne. Steve Elkington was on the winning team that was captained by Peter Thompson. So we're going to be talking about that. We've got some previews coming from the course, how it's looking right now, conditions, what the international team, headed by Ernie Els, are going to have to do to win this year. And um, any challenges, I guess, facing both sides. Double golf next week because it's also the QBE shootout at Naples in Florida. This week, it's Tiger's event in the Bahamas, the Hero World Challenge, and it actually started today. Really small field, only 18 guys in the field and none of the secret golfers. So this week being an off week for them. Now, I never like to bug the guys when they have a week off, but... I thought it would be a great opportunity to catch up with one of them. And, well, the guy that's probably had the best 2019 out of the whole squad, JT Poston. Now, I say he's had the best year because he had three top tens. One of them was his debut win at the Wyndham Championship. This is going to be the year that JT is always going to look back on as his breakthrough year on the PGA Tour, even though he first played in 2017. But yeah, it's been incredible for him. And next week, he caps off the year at the Shark Shootout, where he's going to be partnering Jason Kokrak. So it's like a, a double secret golf team. We have a couple of them, actually, because last year's champions, Patton Kazire and Brian Harmon, are back in action. 
So lots of things I wanted to talk to JT about. He was actually on a bit of a road trip when we had a chat. But um, yeah, I, just looking back at the year in general, the highlights, um, he did make a bit of a significant change to his equipment halfway through the year. So we talk about that. And also, well, a lot of things going on in his life that really put golf into perspective. So we'll cover that all. But, um, you know, looking at the year, obviously, as I said, it's going to be a lamb mark here for him because he got his debut win on the PGA Tour but taking home almost 2.5 million dollars in the season finishing up at number 32 on the FedEx Cup you know so close to getting to the Tour Championship but even that could not put a dampener on a stellar year for Poston. I'm good how are you? I'm great thank you very good thank you for doing this. Absolutely. So, well, JT, at least you get to enjoy a little bit of an off-season for this week. Yeah. And then it's straight back to work, I guess, next week down in South Florida. Yeah. Um, got the Shark Shootout playing with Jason Kokrak, so I've never played in it before. I don't know if Jason has before, but sounds like it's a pretty fun, pretty laid-back uh, tournament. So hopefully we'll go down there and make a bunch of birdies. So you're obviously, you're playing in the Shark Shoot Out because you won on tour. Yay! It's still a very exciting thing to yeah. talk about. <laughs> How did it work yeah, with Kokrak? Yeah. It's obviously great for us because uh, you're both the Secret Golf team. Do you get to just invite anyone to come and play as your partner for the QBE shootout? Uh, kind of. So the way it actually works, how I understand it at least, is they have... They have kind of some teams that have always played together and uh-huh. guys that will pick and choose. Um, but then the tournament also kind of pairs guys up together. And um, it kind of got to where I guess, like, I was kind of waiting to see if I was going to get paired with Keith Mitchell, one of my buddies from back in Sea Island. And Kokrak, I think, was waiting on somebody else mm-hmm. to where they might get paired together. And then both of them kind of fell through. So we were in China kind of talking about it and he was like well why don't we just play together and so i was like i, I mean i'm not gonna say no to that he hits it 350 yards down the middle of the fairway every time so exactly. i was like absolutely i'm in and so i guess he called the term director and um a couple of days later it was it was set up we were good Okay, that's fun. Um, I mean, as you say, you've never yeah. played in it before, and it's one of the perks of being a PGA Tour winner from last season. Um, another perk is going to be that trip to Kapalua at the start of the year. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just amazing. It, it must be you looking back on 2019, you know, when it gets to December and you've got one tournament left and then you do get a little bit of time off. But looking back, I mean, it's like, it's a dream come true year. Yeah, absolutely. It's something... Um, you know, you'd always, as a kid, I always dreamt and felt like I could win on the PGA Tour. And then when I got out on tour, I always felt like, yeah, I can, I can win out here. And I, I had that belief, but you never truly believe it until it actually happens, mm-hmm. I feel like. And it's, it's been pretty, pretty awesome just to kind of see, um, see my game kind of get to that level and, and perform at a high level and, you know, to finish a season just short of tour championship. I mean, I basically came up one shot short of the tour championship. And, um, you know, that's a big, for me, I'm looking at it as a positive, how it's a big confidence boost and 
you know, I've, I've been there. I know I can do it now. And, and so I'm really excited about, uh, about the years coming, coming up. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think I'll always look back on 2019 as a season and feel like it's kind of a season that springboarded my career, hopefully, and, uh, led to a lot more good golf over the next several years. I mean, obviously getting your debut win at the Wyndham Championship, three top tens in the season, um, and a lot of highlights if you think about, like, you shot 62 in round one at the Barbasol when you played in Detroit at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. That was your first time playing in the final group. These things, I guess, kind of happen towards the end of this season. Do you see, like, did you see a big shift in your kind of, like, mental mindset or even your game compared to the beginning of the year? Um... I would say kind of middle of the year, I definitely started to started to hit it better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd always felt like my short game was good pretty much the whole year. And I just started hitting it a little more consistently tee to green uh, over the course of an, of an entire tournament instead of just, uh, you know, one or two rounds out of the week. And I, I'd say that's probably the biggest difference that I noticed. Now, it wasn't anything different that I did. I just you know, the tournament reps and um, playing a lot of golf, it just kind of came into form, I guess. But um, a lot, I mean, a lot of that, you know, the low rounds and being in the final group, those are just kind of little steps, little little boxes to check off kind of when you're working towards trying to win a tournament. You know, you got to put yourself in that, in that atmosphere and see how you react to it. And I mean, when I played in that final group on Sunday, I started the day, I was in second place alone in the final group, but I started the day six shots back. And I think most people would have kind of been somewhat relaxed knowing that it was going to take something pretty wild to win the tournament. But for me, first time in that position, I was still very nervous and um, had some nerves that I wasn't, wasn't exactly used to, to seeing or playing with. And, um, I think that helped a lot once it was once I was back in that position in in Greensboro and was able to kind of calm down and knew what to expect and knew that I could play uh, play under those types of nerves. We talk about it all the time that and you said it yourself at the beginning there that you know you you have been out with, there for a while and you start to believe like hey I I'm gonna win on tour like this is something that I'm gonna achieve right. and but you know you. In the final round, you're talking about the nerves and stuff, but you're such a calm guy anyway. And the Wyndham was just, right. I mean, you did it in such style because you were bogey-free for the whole entire tournament. So the, yeah. the way you felt that Sunday morning, I mean, did you feel nervous? Did you feel like you kind of had it under there were, control? There were definitely some nerves, but it was kind of kind of all week. I mean, I don't know if it was just a combination of I had been playing really good lately and I was really comfortable with where my game was or the fact that I was back in North Carolina and kind of close to home, a lot of familiar faces. I don't I don't really know exactly why, mm-hmm. but I just felt really comfortable and calm all week, way more than normal. Um, I'm always pretty calm and laid back for the most part, but that week it was kind of another level of just whatever ha- I just kind of felt okay with whatever was going to happen and it freed me up and I had hit the ball unbelievably all week and uh, obviously make, made a few putts some key putts down the stretch and um, it was just I mean you hear people talk about how you know it's your week that was definitely I can look back now and and definitely realize that you, there were some 
some bounces and some just some things that happened and just kind of how I felt was that was just different than mm-hmm. than other weeks. And then, as you say, going forward, the confidence that comes with saying that you are a winner on the PGA Tour, there's nothing that can rival that. And going forward, it's something that you're always going to have with you and something that you're always going to be able to look back on and pull from. Right, yeah. I mean, that's something that's always going to be a part of my part of my career, part of my resume, which is awesome. And, you know, it can never, nobody can take that away from me. And, you know, even even if it, if there's a long stretch between my next win or if I win the next tournament that I play in, whenever I get that chance and I'm I've got a chance to win, I'm gonna be able to kind of think back to some of those shots that I hit down the stretch at the Wyndham and some of the putts that I made and kind of how I felt and how I reacted to those nerves and emotions and be able to sort of learn from them and feed off of them and you know hopefully do some things that I did in Greensboro and and get it done you're obviously thinking about getting that follow-up win and it's an important one it's a big one obviously your debut win you know it's like the first time you've experienced that and you've been waiting for it for so long but do you see the follow-up win kind of being as important and as much of a milestone as the debut um I don't know if it's as much of a milestone I can see where some guys like I think some guys win on tour and they might win fast and they feel like they have to validate it yes. validate the win or validate you know prove that it wasn't a fluke but my whole mindset is I feel like I mean it happened at the end of my third year on tour I've, this will be my fourth year on tour and I've still got a lot to learn and a lot to sort of build off of but I feel like I belong out there and I feel like uh the guys that are out there sort of respect my game and um you know everybody if you're on the PGA Tour then you you've got the respect of, of of your peers out there because it's really hard to get out there and it's really hard to perform at that level. And so if you're out there, then you can play some really good golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's as simple as that. And that, for me, I feel like it's, you know, I feel like the win sort of validated that, but I don't feel like I need to go out and prove anything to anybody, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty... I'm pretty happy with it, and I'm not putting any extra pressure on that second win. But I, I, it was a lot of fun. I really want to do it again. So, um, but I don't know if there's much extra pressure. Or feel like you have to validate it, or at least not for me. So, looking back on 2019, we've got the win, the 62 that we talked about at the Barbasol, playing in the final group at the Rocket Mortgage. What other moments will really stand out for you when you look back on that season? Um. I would I would say uh, the Players Championship. It was I played my first players, and that's that's definitely a championship style golf course and um, the best field in golf. And I I didn't necessarily I didn't by any means have an incredible week, but I feel like I played really solid and I finished. I think I finished top twenty or top twenty five. And um, but I just I played really solid on the weekend there and especially on Sunday when it was kind of windy and colder and a little bit tougher than it had been the rest of the week. And um, that was kind of, I think, the start of or kind of what springboarded uh, my year, playing in a field like that, uh, on a stage like that, and having to hit some of those shots on those last, you know, three, four holes where there is no room for error. Um, And... I stepped up and hit some really good shots on 17 and 18 um, off the tee and, 
and that uh, those shots kind of stick out and kind of gave me a little belief, a little extra confidence okay. that even under the gun with what felt like was a lot on the line, um, I was able to step up and hit shots that are that were not not easy, um, especially given the circumstances. But other than that, it was kind of just the last uh, the last few events of the I mean the last handful of events of the year. I just felt like I was really playing playing well and felt like my game was trending towards towards that win and was happy to get it done. You were saying there that um, your short game's obviously always been a strength of your game, and tee to green was the thing that you were working on. When you when you kind of plan out in your head that that's not the not the lowest part of your game, but that's the thing that you really want to improve on. How do you go about making that better? Like, what kind of stuff would you be working on? Um, not necessarily. I think it was more repetition. I think. Um, you know, I just I never I felt like I hit it pretty good all year. I didn't I never felt like I was struggling tee to green. I just would have days where I would hit it where I felt like I was hitting it to 15 feet on every hole, mm-hmm. shoot a really low number, and then I'd go out the next day and would kind of struggle, hit, miss a couple fairways here and there, miss some greens or maybe hit some greens but not hitting it very close with uh, some of my scoring clubs and. Um, it was just it I just felt like I was so close to putting it all together, but it yeah. was getting frustrating and so um i just I, I spent some time with my my swing coach and um John McNeely. I actually saw him uh the Monday of Wyndham uh before I won and just kind of talking with him and just kind of going over and he's always been able to kind of give me one or two things that kind of click and just give me give me more more confidence in what I'm doing and being able to trust trust my golf swing and trust that um, I'm going to hit some good shots. And then it was just a matter of just trying to let it happen. I mean, it's so it's so easy for us guys on tour to try and be too perfect. And um, I think sometimes I'm guilty of that myself. And, um, but yeah, it, I mean, it felt, it felt solid all, all year, but as far as drills and stuff, it's, it's more repetition for me, just hitting a lot of wedges, practicing a lot with my scoring clubs, and just trying to hit different shots that I know I, I need to, to be able to hit out there on, on the course. How often do you actually work with your coach? Is that a relationship where you guys will be together often, or is it more a case of you're, you're apart, you don't need him when you're actually at the tournaments week to week, but you talk on the phone, he watches what you're doing? Yeah, so it's it's a pretty awesome relationship. So I've known John McNeely for since I was probably seven or eight years old, and he's always kind of been a mentor for me with golf growing up. And uh, when I really started getting competitive with it and trying to get a scholarship to play in college, was kind of when we really started working a lot together and really focusing on kind of my golf swing and my golf game. But um. He's he's not you know I don't I don't feel like I need him on the road a ton. He's known me for so long. He knows my golf swing. He knows my tendencies. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of times, if I'm not hitting it well, I don't even have to. He doesn't have to see it in person. I can may I can take a video and send it to him, or even sometimes I'll just tell him what what my miss is or kind of what the ball's doing, and he knows my swing so well that he'll he'll be able to give me a couple things to. Mm-hmm. sort of think about and a lot of I'd say 95% of the time it, it clicks right away and and um, and I started hitting it a little better um, 
but yeah, he pro- I probably see him maybe five, five times a year, five, okay. six times a year. And half those times, it's just sort of checking in. I might be hitting it great, and he just comes and, and I'll, or I'll send him a video or I'll go see him and we'll hit some balls for 20, 30 minutes, and it might look great or um, he might give me one thing, and, and that's it's that's pretty, pretty much it. It's usually pretty simple. What about the putter? Because I think looking at your 2019, the, the putter definitely got hot towards the, the second yeah. part of the year. So is there anything that you changed up with that? Yeah, so I actually, so I used the same putter for about 11 or 12 years, 11 years or so. And at the player this year, I actually made the switch from a blade putter that I'd used forever to a mallet. Okay. Um, that Scotty Cameron makes, and it was kind of the same thing with my ball striking. I felt like I'd been putting it well, but I was just streaky. I would have days where I would make everything inside of 30 feet, it felt like, and I couldn't miss. And then I'd go out the next day, and I'd have a hard time knocking in five, six-footers. And I just went to the guys and Scotty Cameron and just told them, hey, you know, this is kind of what I'm thinking um, I, you can tell me if I'm crazy, but I feel like the, I feel like going to a mallet um, would make me a little more consistent in that 10 feet and in range, and um, you know, lead to some better putting results on a more consistent basis. And that was pretty much the case. So wow. I went through it and right away putted pretty well at the players, and just right, I just felt so much more confident and comfortable from that kind of 10, 12 foot and in range and noticed that I was a lot more consistently making putts than versus making everything and then having a day where I felt like I didn't make much. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd say that's, it was a pretty big change for me, but a a good one. Um, And I I think I'll stick with it for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I don't change anything. (laughs) It seems to be working. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously worked and I mean, I've made a lot of putts that were important, obviously, in Greensboro and even uh, some other events, that some big putts, whether it was a mega cut or something or mm-hmm. a couple of big putts coming in on Sunday. And, um, yeah, it was it was nice. And you, you were saying that you are a perfectionist. You do get a lot of guys that if something doesn't go right, they're, they're making changes a lot more often. But you really don't. So as you yeah. say, when it came to making the putter change, that was a, a fundamental one. And you'd been using the same putter since you were really young. Did you not win it with credit at your local golf club or something? I did, yeah. So the story behind that, um, when I was uh, in eighth grade, I won the club championship at my local golf club and since i'm an amateur um they they give out like shop credit um at the (laughs) at the shop and you can use it and i I mean i think it was like three hundred dollars worth of shop credit that i could use at my local golf shop and i found this scotty cameron on the rack and I mean, as an eighth grader, that was the coolest thing in the world was to own a, was to have a Scotty Cameron. And so I've used all my, used my shop credit to get that thing and put it in the bag right away. And it was in there for all the way up until the players this year. Um, and I, I've still got it. I've got, there's a lot of good memories. I've made a lot of good putts with that thing, but, um, it was kind of funny. A lot of guys on tour kind of knew the story behind it and knew that I'd used it for so long. And, um, 
there was I got some funny looks when I made the change at the players this year, even the weeks after where guys saw me using a different putter and they like, they were a little concerned. Um, but I think it I think it paid off paid off well. You have quite a narrow putting stance. Do you ever get people that try to well we know that we know by now that there was this one guy that decided to write you quite a few letters earlier this year, right about the yeah. time of the win, funnily enough, and he wanted to tweak little things but with your putting stance in particular, do you ever get people that try and like change it or just like comment on your setup because it's a little bit different? Yeah, I mean, I, my putting my putting setup in general has always just been very field based. I'm a field player, key to green as it is, and but especially around the greens, and that's just always what's felt comfortable to me. Is I've always kind of stood upright at a narrower stance, and I feel like. It just allows me to see kind of down the line uh, when I'm over the when I'm over the putt. I just see the break a little bit better, a little bit easier. And so I've, I just it's just kind of what, what I've always done and what feels comfortable. I'm not, you know, I'm not very caught up in in exactly what the setup looks like, trying to get it perfect. Uh, I try and just sort of feel out, feel it out, and that's that's just kind of what it ended up with. I do get a lot of people that kind of see it and they think it's funny yeah, it's obviously different and not what they're used to seeing from guys on tv and um they i've had a lot of people ask me about it and ask me why i do that and it's just a feel thing i think i think with putting in general i think a lot of your best a lot of the best putters over the years mm-hmm. were kind of non-conventional and kind of did did it their own way and just found a way to get the ball in the hole and that was just what felt comfortable to them and then you can back it up when you go bogey-free over four rounds to win your debut tournament on tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Made some, made some nice spots there down the stretch. So I know it works. I know it works under the gun. Um, so no reason, to, no reason to look back now. And then the fall season has been pretty good. I mean, T11 at Sanderson Farms right at the beginning, um, the RSM Classic in your hometown of Sea Island a few weeks ago, T14. So... We still have one more tournament to go with the Shark Shootout, as you were saying. But, you know, it, it must be you've got the momentum from last year taking you into this season. But it, that has to be a nice end to the year. Yeah, that definitely. I mean, it, I wanted it was uh, it was a it was a great year, 2019, long year. And, you know, obviously it would have been nice to have a little bit of a longer break. But um, I kind of told myself I wanted to get off to a good start in the fall and give myself more chances to go deep into the playoffs, and mm-hmm. that's a great way to do it. I knew I was playing good golf, and um, so I'm pretty happy with how the fall went. I think I'm in a good spot. Um, but, but yeah, Shark Shootout, Shark Shootout is going to be a great way to, to kind of wrap up a year. It's yeah. a fun event, like I said. And, um, Jason and I will have a great time, I'm sure, and. Um, for for both of us to have such great years, it'll be a great way to kind of wrap it up and and head into the off season. Mm-hmm. And then the schedule for next year had to change a little bit because obviously now you're adding in Kapalua players being a certainty. You're in the Masters after getting your debut win. So much comes when you get that win. So you're planning for next year. I mean, it had to be a little bit different. I guess the good thing is your schedule is a little bit more determined. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, Kapalua is going to be a great way to start the year. Um, I'll play Sony as well in Palm Springs. I had a great week there last year, so I'll play there. So kind of to start the year, I'm playing the first three, and then um, I know I'll play Scottsdale. 
I, I really like Riviera. It's one of my favorite stops on tour, so I'll play those. Um, but it's going to be a lot of kind of touch and go, waiting to see. I'm I'm kind of right on the borderline with my world ranking as far as getting into maybe a match play, a WGC match play, or Mexico, and um, you know, hopefully having having a good week uh, at the start of the new year would would kind of springboard me into playing some of those events, and then my schedule would change a little bit if that's the case. But um, right now, it's looking like the first three to start the year, and starting with Kapalua, which will be great, and um, hopefully have have some good weeks early and, and be able to get into some of those WGCs. Yeah, for sure. I saw your family at the RSM Classic, and your grandfather, Doc, I mean, he's become a little bit of a legend now, and when I saw him, I haven't uh-huh. seen him since the win, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're famous, like every time I'm on social media, there seems to be a new story about JT Poston's grandfather, and he said to me, yeah. Oh, yeah, but I've got really good news to tell you since I last saw you, and I said, what, and he was like, I have the all clear from cancer, that, that, yeah. that's the highlight of the year, no matter what else has happened. Yeah, exactly, I mean, he's He's the one that got me started playing the game, and, um, you know, he's been there right by my side every step of the way with my golf career, um, even junior golf, college golf, amateur golf, and now professional golf. And um, it was really awesome to have him there in Greensboro and at the time, cancer treatment, and but he was feeling good and was able to make it. And um, now, now it's just awesome to get that kind of news and for him to be cancer free and being able to get back out on the golf course at 86 years of age and um so we're all we're all really excited and and happy for him he told me that the goal now is that he needs to get into the gym to get fit because he wants to be ready for the masters and the par three contest yeah so i told him i told him he's got he's got the nod for the masters par three he just needs to be able to get around those nine holes and, and practices. I'm going a, I'm to a get him to hit a shot on nine. I think yes. the last one's kind of the hole-in-one pin from what I understand and give him a shot at hitting one down there. And But I'm, I, that'll be such a fun, fun experience, having him out there inside the ropes, caddying for that par three, which is such a fun, sounds like it's a fun, fun day and kind of good way to finish up your prep before the tournament starts. Amazing. And you live with Keith Mitchell in Sea Island, and Keith got his debut win this year at the Honda Classic. So for the two of you to be able to celebrate that together, because it must have been, you know, obviously you're so happy for your friend, but to live with him and to see him get that debut win, it probably made you even hungrier for it. So the fact that you guys get to end the year both celebrating this 2019 being like up there in the history books must just be even more special. Yeah, I mean, it was really... It was really cool. Obviously, I mean, I was there behind 18 Green when he when he made his putt to win the Honda, and mm-hmm. so I was ecstatic for him. I knew he'd worked his butt off to get to get there, and um, we all had. And but I remember kind of stepping back and thinking, you know, if he if he can win on tour on a big boy golf course like that, then then I knew that I could I knew that I could do it too. It gave me a little bit of confidence and um, belief that you know keep doing what I'm doing and yeah it's been cool to, to sort of celebrate around Sea Island and um when we've had our had some downtime a lot of our friends it's been it's been really fun and really cool to do it 
uh, in about a six-month span or not even six months. Then the phone signal died on his road trip. So we were fighting it back and forth, trying to talk. But then I was like, listen, I got everything that I needed. And uh, all I really wanted to say to finish was the fact that we're just so happy for JT. He's a huge part of the Secret Golf team. I mean, anyone that not even has met JT or knows JT, but even listening to that, watching him play golf, the way he carries himself, his demeanor, he's just such a fantastic person. And um, I was very happy that I could be there to watch him win at the Wyndham Championship. So, yeah, one more week of golf to come next week for the President's Cup and also the QBE shootout at Tiburon Golf Club down in Naples, Florida. So we'll be talking about that. Loads coming up around the President's Cup as well. So keep an eye out for the podcast next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast too. If you haven't done that already, then you can do so at secretgolf.com. You can also do it on iTunes, on Spotify, super easy. And well, to round off the year, we're going to be looking back on some of the highlights from the podcasts. We're on number 153. So I mean, that hasn't just been this year, but we've had pretty much the full team on this year. So we'll be looking back on some of the best bits and um, yeah, those will be coming over the next couple of weeks. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.